Hello, and welcome back to Quick Shanti, the place where we digest timeless wisdom one bite at a time. With today's topic, we are going to explore the relationship between you and your thoughts during meditation. Now, for the longest time, I thought meditation meant no thinking, no thoughts. I thought you sit down, you close your eyes, and you don't think. But I was wrong. I wasn't um, having very... um, positive meditation experiences and I think because my approach was very unnatural you know when you do sit down and try to focus your mind thoughts inevitably arise that is the nature of the mind the nature of the mind is a complex topic that's been explored by philosophers psychologists neuroscientists and spiritual practitioners for hundreds of years generally speaking The mind can be defined as the aspect of consciousness that's responsible for our thoughts, our emotions, our memories, and perceptions of the world around us. The mind is like a stream. It's constant and always seeking new information, trying to make sense of it, and creating associations between different ideas and experiences. It's constantly processing information and stimuli from both our internal world and the external world. Now, this is simply a natural and necessary function of the mind. It's the same function that allows us to adapt to our environment, to learn new things, and to make decisions. However, this constant activity can also lead to a lack of focus, or what the Buddhists call the monkey mind. I've talked about the monkey mind on here before. It's a really great analogy, and it really just refers to the untrained mind. It refers to a mind that is restless and uncontrolled. The monkey mind is often characterized by a constant stream of wandering thoughts or distracting thoughts. When you're jumping from one idea to another, like monkeys jumping from one branch to another, it means being easily influenced by stimulation. And this can cause a sense of agitation, anxiety, and confusion and it can make it difficult to concentrate and focus on the present moment or the present task at hand. Now, on a soulful level, I think it can also make it difficult to be connected and grounded in the deepest parts of ourselves. Knowing this about the nature of the mind, we can begin to reframe our approach with meditation. We can reframe our relationship with our thoughts. Now, the goal with meditation is not to suppress or eliminate the natural activity of the mind. Rather, the goal of meditation is to practice observing the mind without judgment, to practice observing the mind without attachment. This is how we cultivate a sense of mindfulness and inner awareness, which can lead to greater clarity, calmness, and insight into our own thought patterns and behaviors. And this can also lead to becoming less reactive to stimulation, less reactive to external events. With this approach, you're creating space between you, with a capital Y, and your thoughts, emotions, perceptions, etc. You and the content of your mind. So our goal with meditation is to observe our thoughts, emotions, and sensations without judgment and attachment. So how do we approach our thoughts then 
How do we approach the content of the mind as it arises? So I have three approaches that speak to this. Um, It's sort of told in a Goldilocks style of storytelling. Um, I'll go through each one, and then at the end, we can decide which approach sounds the most suitable. All right, approach number one. You are the cool meditator. You're cool. You're cool with thoughts. You're cool with emotions and sensations. It's whatever. You have an open-door policy. So you're meditating, and a thought comes and knocks on your door. Hey, man, what's up? Can I come in? And you're like, you know what? Sure, dude, whatever. Come on in, whatever. It's cool. So he comes in. Thanks for having me, man. And you're like, no worries. Just take a seat wherever you'd like. And then next thing you know, there's another knock at the door. And you open the door, and there's three more thoughts hanging out. Maybe there's like a memory or two in there as well. And they're like, hey, man, heard you're inviting people over. And you're like, you know what? It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. Come on in. Come on in. So they come on in. And then those friends invite more friends. And then those friends invite more friends and so on and so forth. And then you look around and your house is crowded with people. You don't even know how 80% of these thoughts got in, but they're there and they've made themselves at home and they're drinking your tea and they're eating your food and they're wrecking your furniture. And it's like a college house party gone wrong and it just grows and grows and grows and grows. So this is what happens when we let our focus get sucked into one particular thought. Because when we focus on a thought, when we literally feed this thought form with our awareness, that thought grows. It sucks us in like a vortex and it expands and it branches out into other thoughts and memories and sensations. And then those expand and branch out into other thoughts and memories and sensation. And it goes on and on and on. So approach number one, the approach of just being wide open and kind of going in with a whatever attitude, it isn't ideal. We don't let everyone into the house party. It will get out of hand. Now approach number two, going off the same house analogy. Let's say you have a different mindset. You are anti-thought. So you lock your front door, you slam it shut, you turn out all the lights in your house, and you're guarding that door with a baseball bat. And you have a sign outside that says, no thoughts allowed, and a beware of dog sign. (laughs) They know that same energy. And your house is guarded with barbed wire fence and a full-blown security system, essentially the inverse to approach one. But this approach isn't any better. (laughs) This is like what I was doing early on in my practice. You know, suppressing your thoughts is counterproductive. And honestly, you're just as fixated on your thoughts as you were in approach one. But this is equally unhealthy, right? Now we're suppressing the nature of the mind, this natural thing. The thoughts are a very natural function and they need to flow. When we're too rigid and we're too closed off and guarded, we're not in a position to examine the mind. It's like we're barricading ourselves in and preventing ourselves from developing a deeper understanding of our thoughts and emotions. All right, now approach number three. So we're going to leave the house. We don't need the house. We're going to walk outside and we are going to find a nice spot in the sun uh, by the bank 
of a river. And we're just going to watch the water flow. This nice steady stream. Just doing what it does, flowing very naturally with a strength and vigor that is similar to your own aliveness. So we're sitting and we're just watching this river flow. And just like a river is constantly flowing, so is the nature of the mind. So let's say a leaf falls off the tree and lands in the river before you. We don't reach into the river and grab the leaf. No, no, we're sitting by the bank. We're calm, we're grounded there, we're staying there. We don't reach in and grab the leaf. We just simply watch the leaf as it floats by. We allow it to get carried by the stream until it is pulled out of our vision and eventually dissipates. This is the same analogy for our approach to our thoughts. You know, we can simply allow our thoughts to pass without grabbing at them, and without judging them or attaching ourselves to them. You know, we're just watching them pass like we're watching a leaf that's fallen kind of get pulled pulled away by the river. You know, just there goes the leaf. There goes the thought. You know, this is how we can observe our thoughts as they arise and then let them go without getting caught up in them. As we've addressed multiple times in this episode, thoughts are constantly moving through our minds. That is the nature of the mind. So consider your time in meditation as you would sitting on the bank of a river, just watching the river, observing the different patterns, the currents, the colors, the twigs and the leaves and the critters, whatever passes by without getting caught up in the content itself. In meditation, we can observe the thoughts and emotions that arise without getting sucked into them and carried away by them. You know, there's a time to swim in the water, always, but during meditation, we're on the bank. We're grounded, we're witnessing, and we're noting without judgment. The goal with meditation at least in the way that I've reframed it for myself, is to train the mind to allow the thoughts to be there and then allow them to pass. So the goal is to be in the same space as your thoughts and emotions and perceptions without getting sucked in and without having to build a wall. You know, thoughts will come no matter what. We've learned that. That is the nature of the mind. And when they show up, they will demand your attention. They will say, hey, 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 look at me, look at me, look at me. Hey, look over here. And sometimes they come with emotions and memories, really vivid images and feelings that demand your attention and make you feel like it's the most important thing in the world to feed it and to pay attention to it. But when we don't feed our thoughts, when we can train our mind to observe and not feed, then these thoughts will naturally dissipate on their own. They eventually tire and they fade away. But we have to train the mind to resist feeding our thoughts with things like attention and judgment. By taking approach number three, 
we create so much space within ourselves for self-awareness. When we're not fixating on our thoughts and when we're not treating them like concrete realities, we can actually view thoughts as functions of the mind. And when we're not attached to them, these functions can provide great insight into our inner world, into our inner experience. With meditation and with this approach, you're kind of taking on this role of the investigator or of the anthropologist. And it's it's fun. It's kind of exciting. You get to practice this active analytical curiosity and really begin to understand the contents of your mind and their patterns and their origins. All right, to conclude, I want to put a big PSA out there to everyone who meditates, especially early meditators, and say, your thoughts are not evil and your thoughts are not bad. You know, thoughts are natural things and they're helpful tools that can serve us very, very well in our everyday lives. That's like such an obvious statement, but I feel the need to express that given my early approaches to meditation. Thoughts don't need to be fixated on. Thoughts don't need to be suppressed, but they do need to be allowed. We must allow the nature of the mind to just be. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed today's episode on your thoughts and your relationship with your thoughts during meditation. I want to acknowledge that the things we're talking about here are so, so, so much easier said than done. And just a friendly reminder that meditation is a practice and it's a lifelong practice and we fall down and we get back up and we fall down and we get back up again. Um, So yeah, be patient and practice self-compassion and try to enjoy it. (laughs) Yeah, that's all I got. So until next time, stay curious.